Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Judith Lemus, a therapist at Wellspring and the host of today's show, Hidden Wounds, Youth and Secondhand Trauma. With me today to discuss this important topic is Louis Beltran, our guest. Together, we hope to bring a better understanding on these hidden wounds that we often don't think about and what we can do to help. So stay tuned as we go over this important topic. So welcome, Louis. We're glad to have you here today. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what we're going to be talking about today? Uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my name is Luis Beltran. I'm a mental health intern here at Wellspring Counseling. And my background is in applied behavior analysis. I've been working with you for pretty much all of my career. And I'm really passionate about this population because they're in such a crucial time period. And mm. to be able to play a role in, in you know, establishing a strong foundation I think that's really exciting. And this is something that I'm really passionate about. So this is something that I would have liked to, to have growing up. And uh, part of establishing that strong foundation is addressing secondhand trauma and the effects that it may be having in youth lives. All right, absolutely. Often we don't think about something like secondhand trauma. We might realize, okay, trauma, youth go through trauma, but we don't often think about secondhand trauma. So can you just tell us what is secondhand trauma exactly? Definitely. So secondhand trauma, it, you know, it can develop in a lot of different ways, but one of the main ones is indirect exposure to traumatic experiences that can mm -hmm. be witnessing a motor vehicle accident. It could be physical, okay. verbal abuse. It could be assault, any of those things. And the, the key part is that it's not happening directly to the person, to the youth, but they are witnessing it, they are being exposed to it, and that can produce that secondhand trauma. Okay, so like similar effects as if they'd been through trauma, is that right? Most definitely, most definitely. And, and something really interesting is that this can even take place through watching the news, through watching oh. social media. And that, that, that's really concerning because as we know, the youth are often on social media mm -hmm. for long periods of time. In fact, in a study conducted by the University of California, they found that six or more daily hours of uh, marathon bombing coverage was correlated with more acute stress than being at or near the marathon. So that, that's wow. pretty significant. Yeah, it's 22% of the participants were significantly affected, even though they had no previous trauma. They had only watched it on, on TV. Okay, so even just hearing about it constantly gave them strong effects, even if they hadn't been there. And I'm even thinking about, you know, something that happens, has been happening a lot in the news is things like school shootings and how much youth probably are affected by that sort of news coverage, even if, even if they are not in, in that sort of traumatic event. That, that's that's a great point. I mean, yeah, you think about it all the time. You have all this anxiety, all this, you know, they're hearing, they do these drills very frequently. They see these news stories. They see all these traumatic events happening. Mm -hmm. And that's how trauma gets stored through our, you know, through our different senses, sounds, uh, visual cues. And when these kids are in those environments, like school, mm -hmm. that gets that gets activated. And they, they you know, yeah. that, that's significant. And interestingly enough, it, 
another way in which trauma can uh, secondhand trauma can develop is mm -hmm. simply being that passed down from one generation to the next that can be wow. childhood abuse family violence food insecurity and even parents experiences and th the way in which this happens and in a lot of ways it's, it's out of your control it's mm -hmm. because trauma can leave a chemical mark and that expresses how, and that it impacts how genes are expressed and you know in, in other terms this is referred to as epigenetics mm -hmm. and it's basically a light switch that turns genes on or off it's our interaction with the environment our behavior and th there's there's been some studies conducted on this for example on the children of uh, holocaust survivors mm -hmm. and they found that the children of these survivors had epigenetic changes to a gene linked to their levels of cortisol, which wow. is, a, is a hormone that is involved in the stress response. Mm -hmm. So you can see that, you know, that, that, that the influence of that traumatic experience being passed on, you know, mm -hmm. through, through what we see on the news, even genetically. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is so impacting just to know that the effects we might think like okay well I went through something but that shouldn't touch my children but actually can be passed down it's affected on a genetic level so so yeah absolutely very very important to take note of um for for our youth so how how can we take note of it what are the symptoms that we should look for what are the things that they experience that we should be paying attention to Definitely. So that, because that, that's the first part, right? If we, we can, if we can address these symptoms, if we know what to look out for, then mm. we can treat this because this, this can turn into something greater. If we can, if we, if we catch it early on, then we can, we can help these, these youth in a significant way. So the, the symptoms can vary. Uh, it's not one size fits all, you know, it varies according to the severity of the trauma, the amount of exposure, and how family members react to the events. Some practical symptoms to look out for can include avoiding situations that makes them recall traumatic events. For instance, okay. think of a car crash. Um, as I said earlier, trauma gets stored in, in, you know, in, in a lot of different ways, but a big part of it is in our senses, visual mm -hmm. cues, sounds, even smells. So think of a car crash. The, the youth may see this, this car crash unfolding they, they see a car, they may hear the sound of the engine. You know, if you see your child avoiding getting in a car, if you see them really anxious in that mm -hmm. environment, seeing a car, being in a car, that's a good sign and definitely something to look out for. And another thing would be experiencing nightmares or flashbacks. So you can look for sleep disturbances. How are they mm -hmm. sleeping? Are they having difficulty? Are they having nightmares? That's another really big one. Yeah. Another one would be this one definitely in, in younger uh, children would be playing in a way that repeats or recalls the trauma, maybe playing with and I keep going back to this example about the car, but, mm -hmm. you know, playing with toy cars and making them crash. That's a that's a you know, that's something that should be investigated if there, there, there has been a traumatic event mm -hmm. uh, related to that. Also acting impulsively, aggressively, feeling nervous or anxious frequently experiencing emotional numbness or even having trouble focusing at school. Okay, yeah, these sort of behavioral changes, a parent or guardian or the people involved in the youth's life can look to 
to see, hey, how much is my child being affected? Or is it something that they're thinking about constantly? Is it bothering them? Very good examples. So how do we support youth? Because like you said earlier, we do want to be able to help and, and not kind of just dwell, dwell in acceptance of, okay, my kid is traumatized. How do we support them? How do we get them help so that they don't continue experiencing these effects? Of course, that, that's, that's a great question because there needs to be a plan of action. Mm -hmm. You know, as you mentioned, you know, you can't just dwell and kind of let it continue to even, you know, worsen. So one of the big things that we can do is emphasize their safety. You know, they're in a, they may be in a really vulnerable and sensitive state. And when encountering this, this, this different stimuli that, that take them back to that situation or take them back to that traumatic experience, they may dissociate, they may go back to that. And so it, would, it could be helpful to do some grounding exercises. A, a really mm -hmm. simple one would be sensory counting. It's very simple. You count down from five and go down the senses. Five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. And that, you know, just reminding them, hey, you're here, you're present, you're safe. You are not in that situation. You are not in that traumatic experience so mm -hmm. emphasizing safety that's a really really big one mm -hmm. also looking for helpers having that support network you know this can be family this can be friends this can be the mental health team right this can be the physician but having that support group that can really contribute to that you know emphasizing of safety we're here for you we're we're, we're going to support you we're listening that's that's important being able to share being able to have someone that you feel supported by very significant mm -hmm. i would say the next steps if you know it does continue and the youth is having you know uh, prolonged uh, trouble coping with uh, these okay. trauma related symptoms would be to seek professional help uh, and that could look like uh, individual therapy that can look like an intensive program for example here at wellspring there is a really unique therapy opportunity for you from 11 to 18. I actually had a chance to be a co-leader in one of these uh, intensives and it was really, really cool. I mean, bounces designed specifically for preventing and relieving emotional suffering. And mm -hmm. the, the, you know, we're, we're working with specific situations where we're processing traumatic events but we're also incre increasing resiliency skills, such as emotional mm -hmm. regulation and building practical coping skills that they can, you know, they can take to any other context. So that, that, that's really powerful and something that I really like about Bounce. Absolutely. And, and I've also been able to work in Bounce and I've, I've been able to see the transformation that youth can have, you know, from the first day to the last day of feeling helpless and alone and scared to feeling confident and and having overcome or feeling like they can overcome their traumas so bounce is a wonderful resource uh, and getting that extra help is amazing um, but even even if maybe you don't lewis what you were saying absolutely a really big important part is the it's the the family, the people around them that help them know, hey, you're safe, it's over, that they can come to you um, and feel supported and feel like they can 
they can find comfort in you. That's a really big piece. But yeah, absolutely. I also advocate for getting that extra help if needed, if trauma persists. And for anybody who's looking for for help, Bounce is an amazing program. And for people who are maybe experiencing more crisis-like symptoms, people who are experiencing maybe suicidal thoughts, what can we do for them? Oh, definitely. So it's important to have, again, you know, going back to a plan of action, there are resources that these individuals can take. There's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's at 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text mm-hmm. TALK to 741-741. And by doing that, you can connect uh, for free with a crisis counselor through a crisis text line. And that's that can make a big, big difference. You know, it's these are really fragile situations that need to be addressed quickly and having that you know maybe putting that into your phone right maybe having that ready that's that can make a big difference that can save lives and that's something that's a practical step that you can take awesome it's great to know how we can help at different levels if they can be helped at home or if they need further help or in a crisis situation so far we've talked about what is secondhand trauma what are the symptoms and what we can do to help? So just continuing, Louis, how can we prevent secondhand trauma? Definitely. So once uh, indirect exposure to traumatic experiences has occurred, there are several steps that we can take to prevent further harm. One of the big ones is promoting healthy electronic and social media use, right? So that's a big one. We know that these these uh, youths are spending a lot of time. So making sure that they use them in a healthy way is one of the big things that we can do. So according to the American Psychological Association, there are some steps that we can take to achieve that. I would start with establishing a position of trust as opposed to a position of control, right? We may think, oh, social media is bad. Technology is bad. So you can't use it, take it away. But realistically, in the day, you know, in the time that we live, it's, it's very common. And oftentimes they need it for, for homework. They need it for a whole series of tasks that they, they're, they're going to need it for. And so building that trust is about setting reasonable limits. We can acknowledge that they need it, right? They need it for, for homework. They need it for talking, connecting with friends. Mm-hmm. But it needs to be in a reasonable way, right? It needs, there needs to be time limits. There also needs to be monitoring, right? According to the, to the age of the, of the youth, there, there needs to be monitoring. This could be weekly or it could be more and it should be thorough. It should be scanning for any red flags, any inappropriate content. As we mentioned before, prolonged exposure to, to these, you know, even news coverage, right? It's not that they're looking at talking inappropriately or whatnot it's just looking at these traumatic events for too long that can be harmful also explaining what's not okay right parents need to model healthy social media use they need to model healthy Mm. electronic use they're they're this is who they're learning from they're gonna take these behaviors and they're gonna run with them so explaining what's not okay and modeling modeling that uh safe healthy electronic use. 
Absolutely. And if you think about it, when we when we think about things like movies or TV shows as a parent, maybe we do look at things that the, like the rating. And if it's a rated R movie, we wouldn't take our, our kid or, or our young teen to those sorts of movies. Why? Because the content might disturb them. It's not ready. It's not something they're ready to think about. But we don't often think about what are they thinking? What are they seeing in social media? What are they watching? What are they consuming? And those same things have an effect. They can frighten them. It can make them feel unsafe. Just those effects we can see are strong. So we should definitely be paying attention and absolutely modeling how we use social media. It'll be difficult for a child to want to put down their phone if we've been on our phone 24 seven. Most definitely, most definitely. And that makes me think of, you know, some keystone habits that we may have. I think back to uh, myself growing up and, you know, most nights parents are sitting watching the news, right? And kids are learning from this too. And it, it really helps to put things in perspective, right? And modeling that, okay, how should we watch the news? For how long should we watch the news? Because ultimately, the youth is going to learn from this. And yeah, the, the, the movies that we watch, all of this, it's being uh, modeled and taught to, uh, to you. So it's something that we should definitely keep in mind. Yeah. It also makes me think about that they might be paying attention to our reaction to the news. So if we're mm -hmm. watching frightening things or just things that causes us stress and they see us get stress, you know, stress and anxiety are also learned behaviors. So if that's something that we're also consumed in, if we're spending a lot of time in and allowing it to affect us, we shouldn't be surprised maybe that youth or, or our children are also being affected by those things or learning those things. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. That's a great point. And it's so important to be aware of that so that we can you know, modify and, and make some changes. Absolutely. So we can't prevent all secondhand trauma. We can't prevent things like natural disasters in our areas or other sorts of things. But things like this, just that sort of exposure that's on the media or in social media or just hearing about other traumatic things, you know, that's a place where we do have some control. So we should take advantage of that for sure. Most definitely, most definitely. And uh, once you, you, if we are aware of that influence, then we can also look for problematic social media use, right? We can mm -hmm. see these uh, symptoms play out. And if we do see them, then we can take action because there, there might be some secondhand trauma. There might be some underlying issues. And some of the symptoms can include like, you know, neglecting real life obligations, activities that they used to enjoy, inability to simply stop using social media, right? They may be mm -hmm. glued to their phones for extended periods of time. And then we go back to those reasonable limits. Are they sticking to that or are they going beyond? That could be a sign. Anger or distress when unable to use social media, using it in secrets, and also disruptions in sleep, eating, exercise patterns. These are all signs that there may be some, there may be something there. So that, that's, that's something to look out for. So as Christian counselors, we always do want to take into account what does God say? What does the Bible say about the things that we are studying, about the things that we want to implement? So, Lewis, what, what can we look at in the Bible or 
just what does God say in his word about trauma and dealing with it? Definitely. He has a lot to say. And because we, we live in a fallen world, trauma is rampant. And unfortunately, it's a part of our lives. It's something mm-hmm. that we can't really separate from the human experience. Um, and and there, there, there is quite a few uh, in, in the Bible and scripture about trauma and how we deal with it. For example, Dr. Matthew Stanford from the Hope and Healing Institute proposes that, proposes that there are various teachings in the scriptures about trauma and suffering. One of the big ones is that God is present and in control of our suffering. So mm-hmm. in these moments of suffering, that's when we may feel that we are furthest or farthest away from God. We may feel that he has forgotten us. How could he let this happen? And if we look in scripture, this is also the case uh, in, in you know, biblical characters like David. He says, how long, Lord, in the Psalms, he, he, he questions, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your mm-hmm. face from me? He He's perplexed. He's going through the suffering. He doesn't know what is going on. Even Jesus, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From our, uh, you know, limited uh, human perspective, pain and suffering can seem contrary to our concept of God as as a loving father. However, it should not question, it should not cause us to question his sovereignty and his love. He created all things. He controls all things. And he allows us to experience the consequences of sin while remaining fully in control of them. And we can see this in various points in the Bible, like with Job. He tell, you know, he's, he's in control of everything, including Satan, because he says, very well, you can touch everything, but on him you will not lay a finger. And so he, you know, God is in control, even through that suffering. It also makes me think of my one of my favorite verses, uh, First of Corinthians ten thirteen, mm-hmm. and and that reads, "No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind." And God is faithful; He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And that's mm-hmm. significant. That that definitely, uh, you know, so the verse that I always go back to because He won't tempt me beyond but what I can bear. And that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's pretty loving. That's pretty significant. Absolutely. Yeah. And how comforting just to remember that even in these very chaotic situations where we might develop fear because we've seen something happen and we think, what if that happens to me or my family members? It's so comforting to know, hey, God is in control. And even if something bad happens, God is in control and that can help just ease the fear that people might be having, that young people might be having, or maybe even as parents and family members watching our youth go through this, that we might be having and just trusting God is in control. God is on his throne, even over these super chaotic things that we don't fully understand. Yeah, infinitely powerful, infinitely powerful. It really, just knowing that the creator of the universe is in control of all things including you know our circumstances that's mm-hmm. that's profound and it, it, i mean it's just reflecting on that is really powerful and has a you know can do a lot for us a- another thing would be that keeping in mind that through our trials and through our suffering and through our you know maybe, maybe even these and that can be difficult to hear but through these traumatic experiences we have an opportunity to draw closer to god right mm. 
We can become self-reliant during the easy times, forgetting our need for God. And he can use these experiences to lead us to him, to lead us closer to him, to grow our faith. And, you know, this also makes me think of uh, in James uh, uh, 1, 2, where he says that it is, we should consider it pure joy when we go through mm-hmm. difficult times, because that's going to lead to growth. That's going to lead to spiritual growth. That's going to lead us to just leading us closer and depending on our father, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is powerful. This can really change our perspective on what it means to suffer and what it means to go through these really hard experiences. Uh, that, that's, yeah. that's really profound. Absolutely. And it might seem like something really hard to swallow. Oh, I'm supposed to enjoy or, or take joy in, in suffering. But the truth is that it's, it is in those moments where we can come to really know our God in a more profound way that we never did before, because that's where we see God's mercy, the greatest. That's where we see God's strength and his faithfulness, the greatest and, and the sweetness of his comfort as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really, there's multiple levels to it because as you mentioned that, you know, we can really bask in that sweetness that, you know, that control that he has over our lives and even more so because Jesus understands what it is to suffer. He, he went through it, right? He, he, we do not worship a distant, unapproachable God. He, he came to us mm. and he experienced suffering. He was, he was humiliated. He was beaten to the point of death and he was publicly executed, right? He, mm. he, that's, that's traumatic. That is, that's hard. So we can, you know, he, 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 he understands us. He knows what it's what it's like to 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 be in this fallen world and so that takes it to a whole nother level where we can take great comfort in the fact that god can relate to us he understands what it's like to to suffer yeah and i'm even thinking since we've been you know just talking about secondhand trauma i'm thinking how jesus on the cross is looking down on his friends and on his mother suffering seeing him suffer and even then he was taking care he made sure that his mom would be taken care of in 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 just watching him go through that horrible event and i know that in the same way the lord desires to take care of us and our youth as well um that that he desires and he sees he sees that we're suffering through this secondhand trauma that the youth are going through and he does desire to comfort definitely definitely yeah and it, it, that really makes me think back to that right so that public uh that that support right that support group having that support group and uh and reflecting on that finally uh the you know one of the, one of the biggest things would be that just reflecting on the fact that our identity is found in Christ, right? We may have these uh, traumatic experiences happen and they, you know, they can, they, they have really, really terrible, you know, consequences and effects in our lives and the lives of others. But, you know, these are, you know, parts of our lives that they're not our life. It's not our identity. We can find our identity in Christ. We are his child, right? We are children of God. We were chosen by him to be holy and blameless. And we can live in that identity, right? 
the we are marked with the holy spirit we are in christ we have his very life within us and we can choose to live out of that truth right he, he offers healing and we can live in that we can receive that we can live in that identity absolutely we're not just people that are helpless to the whims of whatever trauma happens in this world but we are people created and chosen and protected by God and we can just rest in that it is so important to remember all of these things as we think about okay how do we help youth going through secondhand trauma and to rely on these biblical truths that the Lord sees us he understands and he desires for us to get closer so that we can also teach youth or if you're a young person listening today to to know these things that you're not alone that God sees you that God desires to bring you closer to him and know know him as healer and comforter and protector and all of these is so vital it's so vital even as we have our support system or as we have therapy or go to the bounce intensive camp that we know there is one greater there's one above all who sees who cares and is in control definitely, definitely and i think that that brings it all together right we have all these resources we have all these steps that we can take to identify uh, secondhand trauma mm -hmm. to prevent secondhand trauma and, you know, through all that, we can look to God, right? Through that whole mm -hmm. process, identifying, we can ask him to show well, what is there secondhand trauma? You can, we can ask him to bring that up. We can ask him to protect us and be with us through that healing process. And I think that's, it's amazing. It's the, the, the biggest tool there is. I mean, he is our, the, the great counselor. So that's, yeah. Absolutely. All right. It's time to close out this show. Thank you again, Lewis, for joining us today and just shedding light on this topic, hidden wounds, youth, and secondhand trauma. We hope that you were able to learn about secondhand trauma and how you can help and prevent these often overlooked wounds that youth go through. So thank you again for joining our show. You can find this show and others on podcasts at Wellspring on the air or on our blog on wellspringmiami.org. The title of today's show again was Hidden Wounds, Youth and Secondhand Trauma. Encourage us and let us know you're listening by sending comments or questions to on the air at wellspringmiami.org. It's time to wrap up. This is Judith Venus with Wellspring on the air because hearts and minds matter. <laughs>